Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, a green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree, and killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, the king of the wild hey, who stuck that in as my intro song? Very funny. Wow, thanks for coming. Well, welcome to the new Ultra Running History Podcast. This is... Episode zero, my intro episode, and I'm calling it, uh, What's Up With This? What's up? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, yes, I'm Davy Crockett. Thanks, thanks. Wow, we have a great crowd here today. Okay. Let's first deal with the obvious questions. One, am I related to the original Davy Crockett? And I got this question just last week. <laughs> No, but I'm starting to take over. I typed my name into Google the other day, and I'm result number 13, so I'm catching up. Wow. Two, how could a mother name a son Davy Crockett? Well, she loved the name David and wanted to name my older brother by that name. But at that time, the Davy Crockett craze of the 50s was in full bore, and she didn't have a heart to to do it to him so she took pity on him and waited until a few years later when I came around and she stuck it on <laughs> okay so I grew up being called Davy by my siblings and a few others I also passed the name on to my oldest son and when I started to run I decided to embrace it and, and have used it in my running circles three did I get teased a lot while growing up with the name well, I remember in junior high, there were two girls who sat behind me, and they really let me have it every day in that class. And But as the year went on, we became friends, and soon it just, just petered out, and I dealt with it. But that was probably the worst, worst part of it. Number four, what about your wife? Does she get teased too? <laughs> Years ago at the, at the grocery store when you needed to show your ID to, to write checks and so forth, um, the clerks would see her last name and would ask, so, is, are you married to Davy Crockett? <laughs> and that would annoy her, so she would answer, well, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> Five. Do I own a coonskin hat? Yes, several, and uh, for my first year of ultra running, I wore one of those hats during my races. I remember a Rocky Raccoon in, I guess it was 2005, it was the first 100 mile race that I finished, that the legend from Germany, Hans Dieter, came by me and called me Beaver Boy. I thought <laughs> that was funny because he... He had no idea who Davy Crockett was. And while I was running around that day, others would call me Daniel Boone. And in fact, uh, Dale Perry, who became a close friend, called me Daniel Boone that day. And he still calls me Daniel Boone whenever he sees me. After all these years, 13 years. And those who know him know he's, he's quite the wise guy. Daniel Boone was a man. No. Yes, a no, Davy Crockett. <laughs> So I gave up wearing the hat at races because, you know, having one of those uh, critters wrapped around your head really gets hot after a while. And number six, have I been to the Alamo? Yes, and Texas is really very kind to me. When I visit there, I make sure that I rent my car from Alamo Rental. <laughs> because what I like to do is 
uh, just present my ID uh, at the counter and watch for the reaction. And I'd say about I'd say about half of them laugh and get it. But what I'm seeing is that the millennials now they just don't know who Davy Crockett is, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to move on. Okay, hold it down. Well, now let's turn to why a podcast on ultra running history. I'll try to give you something to listen to out on the trail that hopefully won't uh, put you to sleep. So I hope this podcast will be interesting. I I plan to share many of the untold discoveries about ultra running history. I'll continue to post the written articles, but a podcast will let me be a little more casual and share further interesting details. I don't know how often I'll do this. Perhaps maybe twice a month. I'll see. It's a, it's a lot of effort to do this. So what got me into researching and writing about ultra running? It was in 2002 that I started doing through hiking, kind of a midlife crisis to try to get in shape. My first ultra marathon was in 2004 when there were just a handful of trail runners here in Utah that it took me a while to even get to know them. There were so few. And, and on my first 50-mile race, which was the, the the White River 50 up in near Seattle, I finished it in dead last. <laughs> I had a lot to learn. But eventually I learned how to finish 100-milers and now have finished 97 of them. Uh, I hope to get to 100 someday. In 2017, so just a year and a half ago, I started to wonder about the history of ultra running. You know, for years I'd heard the story of Gordon Ainsley, you know, running the Western States Trail Ride course in 1974, and I was in awe of him. That was just it's an amazing story. And I read what I could find about Gordy. I listened to podcasts about Gordy. Others said that he started it all. And he claimed that he invented the sport of trail ultra running. Others said he invented the entire sport of ultra running. Yeah, something seemed wrong. Certainly ultra running existed before the first Western States 100 in 1977. And I had no idea. So I was on a quest to learn. And it didn't take me very long to discover that the tale I'd heard about the start of ultra running was incomplete and an exaggeration. 100 milers existed before western states and so did trail ultra running. So I started to write a blog post about the early 100 mile running that I had discovered before western states and thus started my ultra running history education that took me hundreds of hours of research and writing. So my little blog post turned into a 185 page online book and I was really embarrassed to learn that I had shared the trails with a few of these very early legends and didn't even know it. I mean, I even talked to them. I ran with them. I knew their names, but I had no idea that they had such an important place in history. And I didn't want to make that mistake again. And I didn't want these runners to, to be forgotten. It seemed like they were being forgotten by all of us. And then a couple months after I published that book online, I stumbled on a short 1972 Reno newspaper article that revealed that Gordy wasn't the first to originate the idea of covering the Western States trail ride on foot. 
You've probably read the story that Phil Lauer and I published about the forgotten first finishers, those seven soldiers who covered the course on, on foot two years before Gordy. And when I, when I first read this in this article, I said, how, how could this be? Well, it did happen. And all of that time, the facts had been left out over the years, and I was shocked and, and knew I was sitting on a bombshell discovery. So a future podcast episode will explain more about the background of that discovery, the detective work that uh, Phil Lowry and I did to track down and interview soldiers and horse riders and early founders of the Western States Run. We knew this was an important hidden piece of ultra running history. So we have a lot to lot to tell about what that experience was to talk to all those really nice people who really have a place in ultra running history that shouldn't be forgotten. So I discovered that there were other very early ultra running untold stories and really enjoyed researching them. And I have a list of, of items that I have found about and discovered that I haven't yet fully researched and written about it. But I will, and this podcast series will talk about those too. I want to thank a couple of ultra-running historians who have guided and helped me during my short but intense ultra-running graduate history study during the past year and a half. First, I have to thank Nick Marshall. He was inducted in the Ultra-Running Hall of Fame last year, and he significantly preserved the history of the sport from 1978 to 1984 in a a massive effort he would do. Um, Each year, at the end of the year, he would publish a a booklet called the Ultra Distance Summary that would capture race results and stories from the previous year. He's kindly corrected many of my rookie mistakes, provided me with data, many stories, and answered numerous pestering questions from me. Next, I have to thank the world expert on ultra-running history, and that's Andy Milroy from the UK. He's kind of taken me under his wing and keeps giving me constant encouragement, and he knows there's a history that will be lost unless more of us do some work to preserve it. He's the author of an e-book called North American Ultra-Running that I think is important to, for everybody to take a look at. So there you go. There are many stories to be told about the sport that we love. So for the podcast, I also hope that I'll be able to interview some of the the legends. Some of them are getting on in years. Some of them have even passed away and are unfortunately being forgotten. They paved the way for us. They set the early records. We should give them a lot of thanks. So on ultrarunninghistory.com, make sure you subscribe to get notified when a new episode comes out. And probably the easiest way to do it on the the side of the the page is a subscribe via email little form. And if you use that, then anytime when I post a new article or put out a new podcast, you'll get an email notification for that. And for you picture folks, <laughs> uh, for each each podcast episode, I'll, I'll I'll put a a post along with it that you can see some pictures uh, about the topics I'm discussing. So make sure that you check out the episode posts and also share it with your friends. Will do. Okay. I love history. Ah, uh, so do I. <laughs>
With that, I hope that you run fast and far. Enjoy life. Get outdoors. And most of all, stay safe. Don't take chances. Born on a this is Davy Crockett on Ultra Running History Podcast. No, no, Davy Crockett.